High and over in variety. And Amani from his 45. He's got a lane. And he's got speed. Look out. Beep, beep. The Ducks are in the end zone. Touchdown. This is the Duck Pod from the Register Guard Newsroom. Gordon head to head for sure. Mitchell goes in motion. They hand it off. Oregon sports beat writers Ryan Thorburn and Steve Mims. All right, we're back for another episode of Duck Pod. Ryan Thorburn here with Steve Mims in the RG Podcast Studios. Steve, uh, what'd you do with your open date? I <laughs> uh, went to my high school reunion and uh, watched a lot of football on TV without uh, having to worry about getting anywhere three hours before kickoff. Well, the Ducks apparently worked on their running game. Uh, We were out there after practice on Tuesday as they get ready for Cal. Uh, Really, there's not a lot to talk about right now besides, you know, kind of nitpicking the running game. I mean, the defense has been good at stopping the run and the pass. Justin Herbert's been good. Um, You could quibble a little bit with the place kicking situation, but that was kind of the topic out there today is uh, where's this running game at? Yeah, and I think it's interesting, you know, because we've talked that, you know, that we thought maybe Verdell would be the one, and then, you know, he didn't get a ton of carries, and then Die was looking to get the load, and then he didn't got one carry in a game, and so it's just sort of kind of been back and forth. It almost feels like they're waiting for one of those guys to emerge, which is just kind of weird being that both of them played so much last year. You'd have thought kind of through fall camp some of that would have maybe settled itself out, but it doesn't seem like it has. It still feels like they're kind of waiting for somebody, and, you know, they've even kind of talked about this offensive line that got all the praise me of the year, and they're trying to kind of coordinate and sync some things up with the running backs in the line, and I don't think you're going to see many changes to the offensive line. Jake Hansen obviously comes back here for this game this week, and you go back with that veteran group. But I, I do think they're still trying to shuffle the running backs, and you know they've been able to to avoid any kind of issues at this point. They ran the ball okay, at least early on, and the only loss against Auburn. But I do think they probably feel as this thing goes along, they better figure it out pretty soon, or they may reach a time to where the lack of a run game may, may kind of cost them an opportunity to win one. Yes, yeah, C.J. Verdell was not made available before the Stanford game. Obviously, they probably didn't want everyone harping on his fumble the previous year that was so costly in that overtime loss. But uh, I was able to speak with him today, and uh, he was pretty upbeat about the running game. I mean, he had 24 carries against Stanford, only 82 yards. But, you know, he was pretty impressed, you know, that they were able to avenge that loss in in pretty dominant fashion 21 to 6 so uh, he's pretty upbeat he says uh, the running game is quote right there and uh, I know that uh, they spent some time according to Marcus Arroyo with the offensive linemen and the running backs together watching film trying to get on the same page and they'll need to be because Cal has a really good defense and linebacker Evan uh, Weaver leads the country in tackles and it's not even close yeah, and the running game, you know, the, they're averaging, I think, 154.8, which doesn't look terrible, but somewhat skewed by the fact that Sean Dollars and Darian Felix both have long touchdown runs this year. Actually, Dollars didn't get in the end zone, but he had a 63-yard run. Felix had a 62-yard run, so you're looking at, like, you know, there's 211 yards that have come from those guys with most of that in garbage time, so that takes out a little bit of that. Verdell's averaging 4.3. I think Dye's right at 5.1, so, I mean, those are numbers you can live with there. You'd like to see maybe a little bit more of the explosion out of it, neither. You know, those guys averaging more than 60 yards a game rushing right now. But um, I think they feel like, like I say, they, they've seen kind of some some explosion plays, but the ones that they've gotten seem to come late and blow out wins. So we've been talking about the injured receivers all year. Uh, Brennan Schooler 
you know, it appeared is full go. He, you know, practiced today on Tuesday. Micah Pittman also practiced, but he had the red non-contact jersey on. That doesn't mean he's not going to play, but obviously they still are, are being cautious with him. Uh, what do you think those two will add? Because I, I kind of thought both would be starters had they not been hurt. Yeah, and one thing they add is a blow for the other guys. You know, Mark Shore was talking about how Jalen Red's kind of been out there and they've had to kind of run into some points of exhaustion in games because, you know, I think now they can look at Pittman, can come in and give them a little bit more of a complimentary guy in the slot. Same thing for Johnny Johnson on the outside if they get Schooler over there with him or Juwan Johnson. So I think, yeah, I mean, bringing Schooler, I mean, we don't know what Pittman can do. We've seen Schooler out there. I don't think either of those come in and you think, you know, it's an all-American wide receiver out there based on, you know, the what's happened in the past. But I do think that it's some guys that can come in there and kind of give them a couple more looks, although I do think there are also guys that will be limited early. I don't think you'll see Micah Pittman out there for 40 snaps in his first game. It'll probably be closer to 15 or 20. And Schooler, they probably try to work him back from the foot injury pretty pretty slowly, I would think, as well. Schooler's one of the best special teams players in the Pac-12, so it'll be interesting to see if if he does that. Uh, and uh, upgrades that even more if he is limited, like you said. Um, certainly a guy that has good rapport with Justin Herbert, kind of was in the shadow of Dylan Mitchell last year with Johnny Johnson in red, but Johnny Johnson's really come out of that shadow and is doing a good job this year uh, making some tough catches. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Obviously, Jacob Breland is having an incredible season at tight end. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you make uh, of Justin Herbert's season so far? I mean, like I said, we're harping on the running game, but here's a guy with 14 touchdowns, no interceptions. He's kind of out of the Heisman talk right now, but he's putting up some some really nice numbers. Yeah, I think the no interceptions is, is the big one when you look at that just because, you know, kind of the way that we've seen in the past, sometimes he'll throw one. You know, I, I think back to the Vegas Bowl, you throw one and it kind of shook him a little bit and then threw another one. And um, so, I, you know, I obviously – I just think that the big thing for him, I mean, for the whole team has been, you know, limiting the turnovers. But I think for the fact that he's been able to go out there and throw 129 passes without an interception has been a big deal. Putting up the numbers, you know, I, I think we talked about how early on in kind of the second game, the Nevada game there, he came out a little bit slow and then kind of picked it up. And it just kind of feels like to me that that was kind of the point in his season, right? For kind of those early drives in Nevada, kind of finishing that game. And then Montana and Stanford's kind of all kind of gotten him into his groove. We'll see now. With the week off, like you say, facing, I mean, Cal's secondary is getting a lot of hype. This will be a tough secondary to face. I'm not sure that Oregon has to score more than about 20 this week to beat Cal just because Cal's pretty limited on offense. But I think you like your chances at home, no matter who you're playing with Herbert there, to to be able to get yourself 21, 28 points, which may be all they need. Yeah, the subject didn't come up when Justin was speaking today. But as you recall, Oregon was off to a nice start in 2017, uh, blowing out Cal at home. And then Justin broke his clavicle in that game. Uh, What do you think about this final matchup between Justin and Justin? Justin Wilcox coming home. He obviously has a defensive background and trying to uh, spoil the fun for his friend Justin Herbert. Yeah, it would be interesting. You know, I think back to the the last time that Sonny Dykes was there. That was, you know, Herbert went and threw the interception into that game in overtime, and that ended up being the last year of, of Helfrich and of Sonny Dykes and it's gone back. Uh, last year, you know, Oregon went down there and what looked like a tough game kind of got turned around on defense and got a big touchdown for Oregon on defense against Cal. So I, I'm sure that 
I'm sure Justin Herbert would certainly like to to finish three and zero against Justin Wilcox here, and, and I'm sure Wilcox like to, you know, they're they're kind of in a place where you kind of thought and they've gotten to the top fifteen and then they dropped a little bit, and we've seen Cal in some couple of years in the past years has gotten to, you know, four and one, three and two, and then it sort of fades out. So I think they'd look at you know obviously a, a win at Oregon, kind of put them right back in that national and conference picture. All right, let's take our first break. Hi there, it's Les Schwab Tires. You know, we've been helping keep folks safe on the road around here since 1952. That's why you can save up to $152 on a set of four select light truck and SUV tires during our fall tire sale. So swing by or book an appointment at LesSchwab.com. Les Schwab Tires, doing the right thing since 1952. Limited time offer while supplies last. Discount depends on tire size and type. Cannot be combined with other offers. Details at LesSchwab.com. All right, Steve, as we mentioned, we were at an open date last week. We did not have to go to a football game. Uh, What did you make of the games that went on in the Pac-12? Obviously, Washington doubled up USC 28-14 in Seattle. Uh, Utah and Washington State, a game a couple weeks ago we thought might be a a top 10-12 matchup, Uh, both coming off losses in Utah smothers the Pirate, who didn't like – the effort of his fat and satisfied <laughs> squad. Uh, Stanford ekes out a win at Oregon State, and Arizona ends Chip Kelly's big turnaround with a 2017 win over UCLA. Yeah, I thought it was too bad that Cal lost to ASU on the Friday because that would have been kind of fun to have a top 15 matchup coming here. And um, the amazing thing to look at the concerts, just all these teams, it's like Colorado's lost a game to Air Force or that. They could be undefeated. If Cal doesn't lose at home to Arizona State, they're undefeated. If Arizona State doesn't lose at home to Colorado, they're undefeated. It's just sort of all these teams have kind of, you know, again, people want to talk about the, you know, how good the conference is, but some of the, you know, some of these teams have had a chance to kind of get undefeated. And, you know, we saw a couple weeks ago, there were six teams in the top 25. And all of a sudden, I think what four of them have lost since that point. So it's kind of, as we thought at the beginning of the year, Oregon and Washington look like the two. I'm a little surprised with Washington State. I thought they were, I thought they were up there. Obviously, you know, losing the game at home to UCLA was was brutal and that may have been kind of the the kind of game that just ends your season right there they may look at that and figure that just kind of knocked them out because now they're at two conference losses and, and Oregon's in a position now where you know with with Stanford or uh with the only undefeated team left in the north in terms of Pac-12 record and you know with Cal right there they could give them a second loss Washington State's already got two Stanford's got two so Oregon this thing could almost be coming down to the Oregon Washington by the time the weekend's over yeah, I was going to say Oregon beats Auburn. They're undefeated and probably ranked in that 7-8 range mm-hmm. where Auburn is now 7 after uh, going on to beat Texas A&M on the road and then blowing out Mississippi State last week. They have a big game at Florida. It's got to be bittersweet for Oregon fans to you know, root for and appreciate what Auburn's doing because it, it helps your resume. But at the same time, if you would have just taken care of business in the second half of that game – uh, the national spotlight would be on Eugene. But uh, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago after Washington's strange loss to Cal in the middle of the night, I kind of had a feeling they weren't done. Uh, it looks like they are not done, and, and I think the North comes down basically to that game in Seattle in a few weeks. Yeah, I agree with you because obviously if, if Oregon wins that, you know, depending on what else leads into it, you know, as of right now, that would give them two up on the Huskies and if the Huskies win that and get the head-to-head you know then they just have to kind of match Oregon the rest of the way so I'm with you on that I also going back to the national picture you know I was thinking about that when 
Clemson was going up to defend a two-point conversion to win, and you thought, boy, if Oregon was number seven in the polls coming into this week, how important would that Clemson you know, game? The Oregon fans would have been going crazy sitting there and rooting for Clemson to lose, realizing that could have moved Oregon up to six, and then they would have had kind of you know, a clear advantage over Clemson in a, in a college football playoff berth. So those are some of the things that if they had beaten Auburn would have a little bit of the peripheral view on, at least media and fan-wise, if not team-wise, that I think at this point now it's, it's you know, all, all – all things are pointing towards going for the Pac-12 title. If you can do it without a loss, maybe you play yourself back into it, but way too early to think about that at this point. So what did you think of Oregon State's weekend? Not only did they lose another tough game to a very vulnerable Stanford team in Corvallis, but uh, they had a a wide receiver uh, commit a transfer from USC basically enroll there, or you know he was on Mm -hmm. the roster announced by the school. And then uh, apparently Oregon tapped the kid on the shoulder and said, wait a minute, and now he's going to be an Oregon Duck. So uh, adding some insult to injury there in the recruiting over the weekend in addition to their failure to, to win in Pac-12 games uh, on a frequent level, it's, it's, it's an amazing slide for that program since the Gary Anderson debacle and Jonathan, Jonathan Smith still has a long way to go. Yeah, and the recruiting thing's weird, you know. I mean, yeah, you wonder, you know, why they announced it. And then you go back to, what was it, last year when they were offering Hawaii players were getting scholarship offers who were still on there, though. So it seems like there's some sort of deal there with, with their recruiting office that they've kind of, you know, had a couple. And, and whether they're serious or not, they're just kind of bad optics and they're just kind of ugly-looking gaffes for your program, especially a program that's trying to get some positive things. So that was there. and. On the field, you know, I yeah, I mean, you look at Hawaii, they probably should have won that Hawaii game, could have won that Hawaii game. Stanford certainly, you know, if that offense gets going any time earlier in the game before when it kind of needed to at the end, I mean, that team's not that far away from having a Pac-12 win, three wins, and it being a different look. But now you look at their schedule and almost wonder if, you know, with Hawaii and Stanford, they've really wasted probably two of the best four opportunities for a FBS win on their schedule this year. All right, well, let's uh, take our final break, and then we'll – Take one more look ahead to Cal. Hi, Ryan Thorburn here, sports reporter at the Register Guard. I've covered a lot of your favorite sports memories in recent years. Marcus Mariota being presented the Heisman Trophy in New York. Oregon blowing defending national champion Florida State off the field in the Rose Bowl. Sabrina Ionescu becoming the face of women's college basketball while helping transform the Ducks from Pac-12 afterthought to national powerhouse. No other media company covers Oregon athletics with the depth and quality found at DuckSports.com. But in order for the Register Guard to continue its rich history of local journalism, we need your support. Please subscribe and support our advertisers to help us chronicle the Ducks and take you behind the scenes to create more memories in the years to come. All right, Steve, Herm Edwards spoiled the fun as Arizona State beats then number 15 Cal last Friday, 24-17 in Berkeley. Uh, the Bears now have a loss on their record. So that uh, messed up the top 25 matchup, but still kind of an interesting game. Uh, as we mentioned with Wilcox coming back, um, but is Chase Garber's definitely out i mean definitely out so he's definitely out so now it's just in my opinion a matter of of how much does oregon win by well yeah and it's certainly you have a hard time imagine cal getting too many points on the board when you've seen oregon and give him a touchdown the last three and you wonder where cal's offense comes from now you know another group they're not running any better than oregon they're at 
about 145 yards a game. Christopher Brown's been pretty good, but not a lot behind that. Their quarterback now is Devin Modster, who came in and replaced Garbers, and I think was six uh, six of 14 with an interception there, and that's a UCLA transfer. So, um, you know, I mean, they're since Justin Wilcox has been there, they've found some ways to score enough points to win and have a defense that can keep it down for them. Didn't happen last week. Again, they only give up what 24, but they lose 24 17. It's just hard to see with the way Oregon's offense is going and Cal's going right now. Is Cal getting more than 17, you know, 20 points on Oregon, especially at a, in a game at Autzen? So that's where I say I, I don't, and I don't think Oregon, I don't know what the spread is. If there was an over under of more than about 33, I'd probably be tempted to take the under just because this almost feels like a 20 to 7 type game or something like that. And I don't think Oregon, I don't think Cal's, you know, I think their defense keeps them in it and keeps this around to where it's almost kind of like the Stanford one where Oregon gets ahead and just kind of can kind of hang on because there's not a whole lot of threat of Cal making you know a two a two score rally so you're saying it's not going to be like 2016 when Brady Hoke matched up with Sonny Dykes <laughs> yeah uh that was something else but uh it's What's amazing how much 51 48 overtime or something like that yeah I'll, I'll I'll always remember that because Justin Herbert's first Pac-12 road start and he was fantastic mm-hmm but Six then, touchdowns, I think. Then throws the interception to end it. Yeah. He was in tears and had to be consoled. And and you really felt like there was nothing Mark Helfrich could do at that point yeah. other than hand over a nice quarterback prospect to the next coach. So, uh, surprisingly, Sonny Dykes has bounced back nicely at top SMU. Top 25 team at SMU now. Yeah. So, uh, it, it, the way Cal was trending at 4-0 and with wins at Washington, at Mississippi, I kind of thought that Justin Wilcox was going to be one of those coaches that's mentioned for more high-profile high jobs at schools that take football you know, more seriously than Cal does. But he also seems like a really good fit at Cal. Where do you see Justin long-term? Yeah, I see but Cal for a while at least. Um, I think you're right. I think he's a guy he doesn't need the – be out there hyping himself on Twitter or hyping things up. He likes kind of, I think, the school that's uh, a little bit just not as much into kind of the glitz and the glamour and a little bit more and likes kind of going after and getting some of the the educational side kids that can come in there and help him out. And I think Berkeley's probably, you know, costs a little bit of money, but when you're single and you got some couple million dollars on your salary, you can afford to stay there. It seems like they've invested pretty good in assistant coaches for him down there. So I think he's the kind of guy who would probably stay down there and keep going if there got to a point to where, you know, administration or a new president, new AD came in there and maybe started taking away some resources or, you know, kind of fidgeting with what they got going. But I think as long as he's got his administration behind him, he's a guy who could be more than happy down there for the long term. Other than making sure Justin Herbert walks off the field healthy this time around, what are you looking for in this game for the Ducks? Well, again, I think offensively, I think if, you know, if Oregon come out here and put up 38, 35, 38 on Cal, I, I think that'd really be something. I just think, you know, if you could see this offense kind of get a rhythm against Cal that they haven't really, didn't really get a whole lot of against Stanford and kind of, you know, get a couple scoring drives going early and kind of get this thing up a little bit, I, I think that would be, you'd feel pretty good about it. And again, the defense, I, I think anything, you know, it just would be stunning at this point, the way this defense is playing, the way Cal's offense is playing for this to turn into any sort of a, you know, 30 game in the 30s. So I, I think for your defense, you'd just like to see them kind of keep building on what they do and what they've done with, you know, some of the some of the better offenses still ahead on the schedule. Well, October is here, which means Oregon's going to start playing more and more uh, meaningful football games. It also means basketball season is getting cranked up. I know, Steve, you have a, a story about Dana Altman and the schedule they face. I had a story recently on Mignon Moore 
on the women's side, joining forces with Sabrina Ionescu. Uh, had a feature on Kenya Wilkins, a throwback player from the 90s who's going through some struggles. Uh, you can find all that at more and more at DuckSports.com. And uh, we really appreciate your support and look forward to talking to you later this week. Thanks for tuning in.